Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. And we'll go to the word of the Lord. We want uh, to grab a couple verses of scripture out of the Old Testament, one out of the New Testament today. All right, from two places. First Kings chapter number 18, be reading from there and also be reading uh, from James chapter number five. First Kings 18 and also from James chapter chapter number five. Amen. We pray that you have a great holiday. Amen. This coming week. Amen. With family and friends and whoever that you gather with for this holiday. We pray that it's a well one, amen, and that you're well to enjoy it, amen, appreciate that. Continue, of course, throughout this week to pray for those that are in need, amen, and those that are sick, amen, and thank you for contributing to our Operation Share offering, amen. We've done this for as long as I can remember since we've been in town, uh, contributed. We used to do it by means of bringing the actual goods, and uh, it just is easier on this side and perhaps maybe even easier on their side for them just to get what they need i remember the day when we used to bring goods that i'd always get more things that were not even on the list i would get ingredients that wasn't even on the list so we were just making a pantry for wherever we were going but and so but uh, this seems money is very liquid so it can be used and and for such things and i appreciate your giving amen for that within our community first kings 18 if you're there amen you'll be able to follow along here with me verse number 41 this is in the story concerning elijah the prophet Ahab the king and Jezebel during this time frame the Bible says and Elijah said unto Ahab get thee up this may be familiar to some get thee up eat and drink for there is a sound of abundance of rain and remember there had not been any rain uh, for three and a half years so Ahab went up to eat and to drink and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. He's uh, assuming a posture of prayer. Elijah must have been a very agile individual. <laughs> if, you, if you read that description, uh, placing his face between his knees, go home today. When no one else is around and attempt to put your face between your knees. Amen. James chapter number 5 and verse number 18. Amen. The Bible says, and this is in reference back to Elijah, back to the Old Testament, and he prayed again. Verse number 18 of James 5. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. He prayed again. And that is my subject matter for the next little while. Pray again. Pray again. Amen. Let's pray again here this morning god touch us today we need your help god in this service and in this lord bible lesson today lord stir up our souls and our spirits help us god not to lord separate ourselves from this lord action lord of prayer help us lord to be diligent with it and in it i pray god for there are grand benefits so lord jesus from it god a people lord that would give themselves the lord jesus to prayer god for we know and have the confidence of your word that you hear and that you answer according to your time and your will in the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Everyone say amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Elijah is a character of the scripture who uh, for sure was a man that was sensitive to the voice of God. He knew what the voice of God sounded like. He was acquainted with it. On several occasions throughout his story, whenever uh, he went to the brook Cherith and whenever he went to Zarephath to be sustained by a woman there, almost at every turn and every time that he made a change of his location or did something, the Bible has these words that follow or that precede his action. And that is, the word of the Lord came unto Elijah, saying... And then Elijah was so sensitive to that voice of the Lord 
that it wasn't that he was questioning, is God speaking to me to do something? That, that wasn't Elijah. He knew without doubt and without reservation that it was the voice of God that was speaking to him. And the awesome thing about Elijah is that uh, unlike some other characters in the scripture, for instance, like Gideon, uh, you know, he's not putting no fleece on the ground, having it be wet on the fleece and dry on the ground and then wet on the ground and dry just to make sure that this is God. That wasn't Elijah. The moment that Elijah spoke or the moment that God spoke, Elijah was reactive and responsive to the voice of the Lord and the word of the Lord. And I understand we go through times uh, that maybe we are the fleece people and there are times then that we are more uh, responsive to the voice of the Lord and there may be other times where like God come again say it one more time God if you if you allow sister so-and-so to do such and such and I'll do what I think you're telling me <laughs> right and so but that wasn't Elijah Elijah was very response but responsive to the voice of the Lord he had an ability he had an ability would seem to recognize the voice of God he knew the voice of the Lord. He wasn't questioning whether it was an enemy or whether it was his own person that was speaking in his mind. He knew it was the voice of the Lord. And I would dare to say this today from my study of Scripture all these years. I believe he could recognize the voice of the Lord because he had a practice of talking to God. He held a practice of talking to God. You, you come more familiar with someone's voice. You recognize it even a crowd. If you have a relationship with that person, I think I hear so-and-so here. You're able to say that because you've not just had one conversation with that person. You've had repeated conversations. You have heard their voice on, on several occasions. You know what their voice sounds like because you have spoke to them. And so there have been many times in Elijah's life that he has spent time in prayer. And doing so, that's not just made God's voice familiar to him, but that's also made Elijah's voice familiar to God. It works both ways. I want to be familiar with the Lord's voice, but I also want him to be familiar with my voice. I want him to know without doubt whenever it's Paul McGee that's starting to talk to him. Amen. And I, I want him to know it's me. Amen. And often, sometimes we strain and, and we're eager to know the voice of the Lord. Right? We're just like, God, I just want to know your voice. Or I, I just want to hear your voice. But again, the secret in knowing his voice is acquainting him with our own voice. Amen. Through prayer, through relationship. And so God says at different times in the story of Elijah, he spoke to him, given him instruction, go to Cherith. Elijah knew that was the voice of the Lord instructing him. The word of the Lord came to him while he was at Cherith, go to Zarephath and be sustained by a woman there. Elijah knew without doubt. This is the voice of the Lord that's telling me to go to Cherith. As he was there, and the, the, the Bible says the word of the Lord came to him and said, go and shoe yourself before Ahab. There is no question in Elijah's mind. This is God that's telling me. But also in this, we must look at the other flip side of this, of the prayers that Elijah had prayed to God. And God had known the voice of Elijah. The Bible speaks that Elijah prayed and the heavens were shut up by God. Elijah prayed over the dead body of a woman's boy, and he was revived. God knew the voice of Elijah. He prayed upon Mount Carmel, let the God that answered by fire. God, so that all these people would know that are halting between two opinions about whether you're the true God or not. That's, that's in the vacillating back and forth. Bring certainty. If, let the God that answers by fire. And God knew the voice of Elijah, and he answered by that fire, by his prayer. He prayed at other times that God would open the heavens, and God answered. And so this, this prayer, of course, is never a one-way street. It's not like you're coming to the intersection and all the arrows are pointing one way and the cars are parked along the side of the road one way. It is a two-way street. We speak to God, but God also speaks to us. We hear the voice of God, but he also hears our voice. 
Amen. It's a two-way street. And so there, there are, and many of you know this, that have been parents or, or so on and so forth. Uh, any book that you read as, as a new parent, a mother, and a father recommend that uh, parents should talk to their child while he or she is still yet in the womb. Read to your child, read books to your child, talk to your child while they're still in the womb because in doing so, they talk about how that child will recognize the voice of the, their parent even before they're ever born. And then after they're born, I've seen it sometimes just even uh, in church. It's not as though I go to people's houses and I talk to the womb of pregnant ladies in our church. But while they sit in church, they hear my voice if they're faithful to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. And I've noticed sometimes after kids are born and I speak and there's a tension that comes because they've heard my voice prior to ever being born and so uh, an intentional parent will talk because they want their child to know their voice now some may just chalk that up just to being stupid we did it in our family i talked to my children before they were ever born while they were in the womb but it just shows that they've just become more familiar with the voice of one who has talked to them on a daily basis and I want that familiarity to be there, not just for me with God, but for God with me. But you got to be intentional about that, right? You, you, you got to be intentional about that. The Bible says, the psalmist says in Psalms 55 and verse number 17, he said, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he speaking of God he shall hear my voice here's the awesome thing that you must be assured of God hears your voice when you pray even though he may not answer you in the moment that you pray you cannot equate no answer to that he's not hearing you if that if that's the case I chalk that up a lot in my house I, I sometimes talk to people in my house, and then when it seems like I finally got their attention and they answer me, they tell me, I heard you the first time. So you can't necessarily equate an answer, amen, that they heard me and a not an answer, they didn't hear me. God hears us. We got confidence each and every time we pray, whether we feel like we're answered in the moment or not, God hears us when we pray. John said... The, the Gospel of John, John 10 and verse number 27, and the Scripture stating here, Christ speaking, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Who hears the voice of God? Who hears the voice of Christ? The people who hear the voice of God are those that are counted as, he says, my sheep hear my voice. Because sheep, and the relationship of a sheep and a shepherd is that, and, and this, is, this is just us. We are oftentimes depicted in Scripture, as you know, as sheep. Sheep, and uh, th this is on all of us, me too, okay, so no one get offended here. They are just not the most bright, alert, find their own way sort of animal. They, they have to depict, you know, if they're going to find pasture, they need someone leading them there. They, they, they depend upon a shepherd for pastures to, to, to graze in. They're dependent upon their shepherd for, you know, that healing balm and that healing salve of wherever there may be injury in their body for their wounds. And so a lot of their success is by keeping in close, close distance to their shepherd. Close distance to their shepherd. And in doing so, since he's there where they eat and he's there to take care of the wounds and he's there to lead, they get familiar with the voice of their shepherd. Get familiar with the voice of their shepherd. And not only that, he knows them. There's all kinds of books out there you can read on the Psalm 23, the relationship between sheep and shepherd or us and the Lord. And they speak about how at night that shepherd would put his rod out and allow each sheep to pass through as they are being pinned or gated. And as they're going through, that shepherd has literally, just like you would have a litter of dogs and you would name each one of them, he has each one of those sheep 
named and he knows them by name and there's certain characteristics of their wool or their face that are devices that remind him why he named him what he named him you know here comes gimpy because his you know back right leg is kind of stiff and he walks kind of weird or you know so and so forth he knows though each one as they pass by he speaks their name he knows them by he spent time with them and they have spent time with him there is a relationship that has forged them he knows them by name they know his voice and he can depict the different bleeding of his sheep now, folks you get a i mean just say we have 25 to be able to pick up on how many could tell whenever your child ever cried even among children it's like that's my kid <laughs> amen why? Because you had a relationship. Time was spent together. You've heard that cry when no one else was around during the midnight hour, right? You're acquainted with that. God hears us and he, we hear him. And as they know his voice, amen, and he knows their voice, amen, we understand that there is something that's happening called a relationship, amen. And so it's important to be familiar with one another. Matthew said it like this in Matthew 7 and verse 23. It says, and then will I profess unto them uh, the importance of knowing the voices in this scripture of not knowing the voice. He says, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So the value of being known by the Lord and he being acquainted with our voice is realized and set in the background if he didn't know us. Hmm. If he didn't know us, the scripture says someday he will turn to some and say, I, didn't, I don't know you, turn away from me, ye that work iniquity. Why? They did not maintain or have a relationship with their shepherd a relationship with the Lord. He says, I don't know you. Amen. Elijah, in our story here of 1 Kings, Elijah at Cherif and Elijah at the other location of Zarephath, these were places where Elijah honed his sensitivity to the voice of the Lord. For that matter, when he was at Cherif, no one else was there at Cherif with him. He was by the brook, the Bible says, called Cherif. He didn't have friend or foe that was with him at Cherif. If I could say it like this, Elijah didn't have any distractions at Cherif. And so he could really pay attention and hone in on the voice of the Lord. By All distractions were minimized and set at bay in that moment. He's sensitive. And so that sets him up then for being able to go to Zarephath and being able to instruct the lady that was going to make a cake for her and her son with these two little sticks, build a fire and die and be able. Now you want to know the voice of the Lord. Whenever a lady that's in this type of predicament, you're going to look at and say, honey, first, bake me a cake. You want to know you're walking in knowing the voice of the Lord. When you're telling a lady that's at the bottom barrel about ready to just use the ingredients she has for her and her son, someone walk up and say, one moment, honey, God said, don't feed yourself first, feed me first. You want to know you're walking, amen, knowing the voice of of the Lord but it became through those moments unmistakable to the ears of Elijah another flavor of Elijah's life may be caught in the first four words then of James 5 that's reflecting back on the time of Elijah it is the secret to him knowing God and being known of God and that is that the Bible says and he speaking of Elijah and he prayed again and this praying again opened the heavens. Praying again. Sometimes that's where we are in life. If it's not answered the first time, he heard you the first time. But pray again. And we get frustrated in our again prayers. Because we pray again. And we pray again. And we pray again. Nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. Nothing's altering. I don't know about praying about that again. Maybe I'll just forget about that and move on to something else. But you've got to take the confidence, amen, that we have in Acts 10 that Cornelius was spoken of him, that his alms and his prayers had come up before the Lord, the Bible says, as a memorial. Cornelius didn't know that. 
But God was keeping good record of every prayer that was prayed again. Amen. That came up before him in so much that it became as a memorial. It was a remembrance. It was a reminder for God. Not as though he needed one, but it was a reminder for God of all those prayers that have been prayed right along perhaps sometimes the very same lines for the very same thing. So my admonition to you this morning is pray again. It don't look like nothing's happening here, but there's something happening up there. There's something that's stacking up. There's a monument. There's a memorial. There's a remembrance that's being made in the presence of God. Amen. And so pray again. Amen. And so we see in Scripture, uh, whenever Elijah's on the Mount Carmel and all these people, the, the prophets of Baal, the prophets of the grove, the children of Israel are there for this grand contest, we might call it, and, and all of those of the prophets of Baal that prayed into their gods. And here's Elijah. He gives a very uh, just solitary, uh, solemn prayer unto the Lord about being the God that answers by fire and for the eyes of all this people. And that was, of course, a public prayer that he had made before the Lord. And he prayed publicly publicly before God and these people. And he wanted God to vindicate his name. He wanted God to show up and, and he wanted God just to prove himself to all those that were around. And note, though, he just prayed, let the God that answered by fire let that be God. He never, you see it in the story, Elijah never directly asked God to send the fire. He just asked that the God that would answer, the God that would, he spoke basically statement, that the God that would answer by fire would be God. He just asked God to prove himself. He just asked God to make all these people realize and God sent the fire. He asked God that it would be known among all the people that you are God. And God answered, of course, by fire. And so there's a great power in prayer. There is. Whether we realize or not, how many have ever had a prayer answered? Mm -hmm. How many are glad that that prayer was answered? <laughs> Amen. There's power in prayer. We, we have, of course, you know, prayer band around here at the church has for years, years and years. Somebody has something urgent or need that climbs and we'll put your name. Used to we call everybody and had like the telephone play and whoo, those were some days I'm telling you right now. Woo! Somebody could be sick and almost near death before it got done, you know. <laughs> but uh, now it's just a, a mass text that gets sent out to uh, different people in the church that are involved upon that. And over the years, we have seen just tremendous things simply just by people praying. Leaving for the hospital, this is what's going on when they get there. That's not happening. Just by prayer. There's power in prayer. That's right, Sister Brenda. Amen. There was... There was a, uh, a pastor who had a parrot. All the parrot would say was, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And so the pastor tried to teach the parrot to say some other things, but to no avail, he could never get the parrot to say anything except, let's pray, let's pray, let's pray. And so then there was another individual, one of his, his deacons or people in the church that had a parrot as well. And their parrot would only say, let's kiss Let's kiss. Let's kiss. Again, to no avail, couldn't get their parrot to say anything else. So the pastor decided to invite a clergy member in his church over to his house one day and bring his parrot over, you know, just have a little play date, I guess, with the, with the parrots. And so whenever the clergyman arrived, he put the parrots in the same cage, see what happened. And the deacon's parrot, the, the clergyman's parrot said, as it's always said, let's kiss. Let's kiss. Let's kiss. And the pastor's parrot said, Thank you, Lord. My prayers have been answered. It's power in prayer. <laughs> but the power of prayer, seriously now, but the power of prayer is seen in the object of our prayer or in the mode of of our prayer rather than prayer itself. The power in prayers in whom you are praying to. The power of prayer is in the motive of your prayer. What is the motivation of prayer? 
both Elijah and the prophets of Baal again on that day on uh, the hill of Mount Carmel, both parties prayed. Both parties. Scripture says that they rendered prayers. Both of them prayed. Baal, the Bible says, did not hear or answer the prayers of the prophets, but God heard and answered the prayer of Elijah. And one of the reasons why the prayers of the prophets were not answered is because, of course, they prayed to the wrong God. For one, they prayed to a God that could not help them, could not hear them. Elijah, if you remember, made a little fun of, of the whole scenario. Cry louder to your God. Is he gone on a journey? Perhaps he slumbers. Cry louder unto your God. And no matter how many people were praying, they couldn't, they just couldn't get through. It wasn't going to change how hard they prayed. It didn't matter. You remember the Bible says they even cut themselves. They prayed until the morning, until the evening sacrifice. They cut themselves, stood and jumped like, you know, kids with a tantrum on top of the altar. God! Yet it didn't matter how hard, how long, their prayer never was answered. There was nothing that took place because it was futile, because it was the wrong God. If I might say it like this, there was no power in their prayer because the object of their prayer was powerless. The object of their prayer was powerless. And so whenever we read, as, as we did today in, in our text in verse 41, that after this whole competition up on Mount Carmel took place, that Elijah finally makes his way to Ahab and tells him to get him up and drink because there's the sound of the abundance of rain. He's telling this again to a region that has went without rain for several years now. There's drought, there's beasts of the field that have died. There is, it's just been totally dry and parched all around. And yet Elijah is saying, there is the sound of the abundance of rain. Ahab, you need to prepare yourself. I couldn't imagine. I could imagine like going through a long time of drought and then coming to you and saying, get your galoshes ready, your umbrellas. It's going to rain. But Elijah could say what he did in that verse confidently. Because he had enough past experience to know that God kept his word. And that he had met the condition of God's promise. By how? By being obedient to the voice of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Kings 18 and verse number 1 at the beginning of this chapter that we had our text from. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go shoe, your, shoe thyself unto Ahab and I will send rain upon the earth. And so this was the responsibility of Elijah. All he really needed to do, according to verse number one, was to show up in the presence of Ahab and shoe yourself before Ahab because he'd been really uh, missing in action. Ahab had been out searching. He sent Obadiah and others out looking for where Elijah might be because he's, once he showed up and said, it's not going to rain according to the word of the Lord by my mouth, it's like Ahab didn't see him again until he showed up and said, it's going to rain. And so he, he just has to shoo himself in the presence of Ahab. That was Elijah's responsibility, and he did. And so it's important to remember whose responsibility is what. Elijah's responsibility was to show up. God's responsibility was to give the rain. We get frustrated sometimes, I think, because we're trying to take responsibilities on our shoulders that are not ours. We're trying to answer the prayer that God will answer if we'll just be obedient to the voice that God spoke. So we got, we got, to, we got to be responsible with what he's made us responsible with and then trust him to be responsible with what he said. Amen. Amen. And so he was confident about this. He showed up. He fulfilled step number one. Here I am, Ahab. And so undoubtedly, because of past experience, he knew that God would fulfill step number two. And we find this type of thing happening in Scripture. In Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, and, and there's verses, Brother Mason, before I go to 37, there's verses 24 through 36, really you should look at and read in Ezekiel 36, because what's found in verses 24 through 36 of Ezekiel 36, all right, Ezekiel 36, 
verses 24 through 36. What you find there are a, a whole string of promises that God is speaking. God is speaking different things. And through those verses at different times, he says, and, and this is like futuristic. This is something that he is promising in the future. I will cleanse you. He speaks to them. I will cleanse you. He says, I will put my spirit in you. This is going to happen. I will put my spirit in you. I will save you. I mean, this is good stuff. You know, I'm writing the promises down, God, right? When so, you know, you've done it in your life too when God promised you something. Like, I'm going to write this down just so the fact when it happens, I'll remember God said. And so I will cleanse you. I will put my spirit in you. I will save you. He told them, I will multiply the fruit of the tree and increase the grain of your field, right? I, I'm going to make sure that there's plenty there in your barn and in your fruit trees. And that was always a thing throughout the Old Testament that they would have grain and oil and wine. You know, that just meant a blessed people whenever they had these things. He says, I will do all that and et cetera and et cetera that he lists in those scriptures. Yet an immediate, con immediate connection with these promises that God was making we read in verse number 37 of the same chapter and I'm plucking probably just a phrase from it look at it here now he says I will yet for this be inquired by of by the house of Israel to do it for them let me read again thus saith the Lord God I will yet for this this what all this that he had just promised be inquired of by the house of Israel to do it for them. In other words, God has just given this promise and that promise and the scribe with the quill and perhaps is writing all this down, gave all these promises, and now he says, Israel will ask me to do what I've promised. Here's the promise. But now, Israel ask me to do what I said. Ask me to do what I said I will do. And folks, this is really what Scripture means in the New Testament whenever it talks about that we must ask according to His will. Because there are purposes that God has for even your life. Promises that God has for your life and for the church collectively in His Word that we could pluck out. Promises that God has for His people. But He wants us just to pray that he would answer and bring the promise that he said is ours to pass in our life. It's more than just writing down. And, and years and years ago, uh, uh, Brother Mike Williams from Ocala, Florida, uh, preached a, a, a sermon called Praying the Promise to Pass. And this is really the scriptural basis of all that. I promised it, now pray that what I promised you comes to pass in your life. And that's praying according to God's will. Amen. When you know he already wants to do something and you pray along those lines, that's praying according to the will of God. That you don't have no doubts or reservation about that because you're praying about what God's already promised you about. And so with that, I'm telling you, be confident this morning that if God has promised you some things, don't be bashful about praying for that thing to happen. If God's given you your, his word, then give him your word about praying. Bring it to pass, God. Bring it to pass, God. Let it come to fruition, God. Let it, huh? Let it happen, God. 1 John 5, 14, New Testament, the scripture says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, that's an important phrase we must not leave out. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Look at John 14, verse 13 now, going a little further. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, right? I speak the name of Jesus. I, 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 we've, I know we talked about this in the gospel of John that We had to have. If I didn't, I, I have to go back and look and kick myself if I didn't. Ask, accord, ask in my name. All right. Jesus, that Mercedes Benz. Oh, God. <laughs> when you ask in his name, you're asking in his nature. So you're asking things. You're asking things in the name of God or in the nature of God. So they correlate with his nature. 
his holiness, his kindness, his righteousness. You're asking things in accord with his character. When you ask in his name, that will I do, he says, that the father may be glorified in the son. Verse 14, if ye shall ask anything in my name, there it is again, I will do it. Again, this doesn't just simply mean then you, you just end whatever your prayer petition and thanksgiving and supplication in. You just say Jesus' name and it's a done deal. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Woo-hoo. No. But you're coming to God in the, name, in the name of Jesus in that nature. Not only that, you're coming to God in his name like an ambassador coming in the name of another. Hmm? Like an ambassador that's in another country. You know, they're, they're over there serving and they might come to wherever they may be and they're coming to you in the name of, as it would be right now, the President of the United States coming in the name of Joe Biden. Because of the, you're coming in the name of the power of the United States of America, the, the Commander-in-Chief. And so whenever you say in Jesus' name, you're saying as an ambassador of Christ Jesus upon this earth, I'm making this request, and I'm making this request. I'm doing this in accordance with God's will as God's representative here on earth. Because that's what we are. Christ is no longer here. We are still the hands and the feet and the mind, amen, of Christ moving through his church. We are his representatives. And so we can ask things in his name. So much so, it was told to Peter and the others that whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so this grand contest has happened. Elijah tells Ahab that he must get himself up for here's the sound of the abundance of rain. And so we, hear, we have the response. We have the response of both Ahab and Elijah. After this big contest, contest, the contrast here is between how Elijah responds to hearing the sound of the abundance of rain and how Ahab responds to being told that Elijah hears the sound of the abundance of rain. Now, listen. It's like I have, Ahab hasn't necessarily been on your, you know, the goody tissue list of God, okay? Yes, he's the king of Israel, but he has a wife, Jezebel, that has led him down some slippery slopes. And so whenever he hears that the rain is coming and all this happening, man, there should have been contrition for Ahab. He should have felt bad that he was being treated so good. He should have been seeking God's forgiveness. But instead, he gets up and goes down to eat and drink. Elijah, on the other hand, who we would have thought that have been so honorable to God through this conversation with God, knowing that the rain was coming, should have been rejoiced and said, I told you, I told you, and all this stuff. Should have had that type of mindset. That is not what he did. He goes up to the mount, falls down on his knees, places his face in between his knees, And he prays again. Ahab is so disconnected from spiritual things that this news of coming rain doesn't really affect him. He goes and eats and drinks. He just carries on with the normalcy of life. Just goes eats and drinks. Carries on with his business as usual. And I believe this is just personal belief. I believe Elijah tells him to to go eat and drink because he knew why? Why why would you say that? Because that's what he says, right? In verse 41, Elijah told Ahab to get thee up and to eat and to drink. Elijah, what are you saying that? I believe Elijah said that because he knew that was the direction that Ahab's spirit was already turned in. Just the normal, the everyday. But Elijah goes to Carmel. He goes to Carmel where he's prepared an altar already in the contest. He goes to Carmel. And on top of Mount Carmel, There's that revelation on top of Mount Carmel. He's had that grand victory, but more importantly, on top of Mount Carmel, that's where he has placed an altar. And so he's going back there again. He's prayed with everybody around. He's prayed in the public eye of everyone, but now he prays in privacy. And he prays that God would send the rain that God promised God would send. It's important. That in the life of Elijah, we don't just have a man that prays in public, but we have a man that maintains prayer in private. He's not just a man that has to be seen praying or let others know that he does pray. 
But he prays when no one knows he's praying. When only God knows. And I dare to say what substantiates the power of his prayer is not every public prayer that he prayed. I believe we've seen what happened in the public prayers because he maintained a private prayer. Amen. And so here he is. Look, he's had great victory. He's had great victory. But what is the posture that Elijah assumes after having a great victory? Because what, what his posture is going to be after this is what's going to help him then during times of great defeat as well. He cast him great victory and he's casting himself upon the earth and put his face between his knees. Again, he must have been quite agile. It almost makes me want to try just right now this morning to see if I can put my face between my knees. Either impress somebody or embarrass myself. I don't know. Amen. F.B. Meyer said like this. He said, the men who stand the straightest in the presence of sin bow the lowest in the presence of God. Put his face between his knees. Interestingly, the face between the knees is the birthing position in the Middle East culture of that day. Women would place their faces between their knees to birth their babies. Here's Elijah in the birthing position, and he's praying. He's praying. Uh, it was the best position for birthing a baby for sure. If you had a large baby, that's the position you want to be in. In private, Elijah was birthing something through prayer. His face is between his knees, the same position that a woman would be if she was birthing a child. Why? I'm doing something through prayer. And this is the position he had after his great victory. And so our posture before God will affect how our posture is before men. Our posture before God will affect our posture before men. If we will bow before God, we can stand before men. Mm -hmm. But note well throughout the history of Scripture, each individual that has bowed before men many times have stood defiantly before God somewhere. You look at the New Testament scripture, the ruler by the name of Felix, the Bible says that he was willing to shoot the Jews of pleasure and he was going to leave Paul bound after he was in prison. He's like, I'm, I'm going to leave him bound. I'm going to show a pleasure to the people. What's he doing? He's bowing himself to them, right? He's giving in. I'm going to show a pleasure. And with that, he's defiant, though, in the eyes of God. Herod, the Bible says, for yet his oath's sake and for the sakes of the people, remember, he had the, it was his birthday. He has a party, right? Huh? Herodias' daughter comes out and she dances her dance, right? And he says, I'll give whatever you want to have the kingdom. And she goes and asks mama, what should we ask? She said, let's ask for John the Baptist's head and a charger. And the Bible, this all really made Herod sorrowful. But he says, for my oath's sake and for the sake that everybody here in the public eye we are, for the sake of everybody, he said, by and by, go take the head of John the Baptist. What did he do? He gave in. He bowed in the presence of the people, and as a result of it, he was defiant against God. Pilate in New Testament Scripture, again, concerning Jesus Christ, Christ being offered for, for sacrifice, for crucifix, the man that had came out on more than one occasion and said, I find no fault in this man. That was from Pilate's own mouth. But... Because the Bible says because he was willing to content the people. Because he is willing to content the people. Rather than releasing Jesus, he released Barabbas. And he delivered Jesus into their hands to do as they would. To scourge him and crucify him. He gave in to the people. And there was defiant then in the eyes of God. So if you bow before men, you'll most likely be defiant before God. But if you will bow before God, you'll be able to stand before men. It's another issue in the power of prayer. First Kings 18, continuing on, we're doing okay. Verse 43. It's continuing from our text this morning. And said to his servant, this is Elijah speaking to his servant. Go up now, look toward the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. And he said, go again seven times. 
came to pass at the seventh time that he said, Behold, there ariseth a little cloud out of the sea like a man's hand. And he said, Go up, say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down, that the rain stop thee not. Elijah had already experienced what a handful of meal could do. Mm-hmm. How a handful of supply could work. So I believe now, seeing a cloud about the size of a man's hand, he expects no less from something even that would appear in the sky, a cloud the size of a man's hand, so little. There have been drought again for three and a half years. And the main obstacle that the man of God had to overcome with his servant and with everyone around him was the obstacle of history, of what has happened for the past three and a half years. It's not rained in years. What makes you think it's going to rain now? Because that's the obstacle to some of our praying is because past history seems to be the odds are turned against us. Hasn't rained in years. What makes you think it's going to rain now? This is the, for some, and they would be very young, but uh, even if they were young when the drought first came, they probably wouldn't even remembered it, but maybe got old enough now to know it. This is the way it's always been in my lifetime, right? So what makes you think, I mean, have you ever said that about certain things for your own life that God was promising you? He's like, God, it's always been this way. I don't see how in the world it'll change now. This circumstance has always been like this. My relationship with that person's always been like that. History, 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 many times is an obstacle, amen, to our praying. What makes you think things are going to change? I mean, we're in the middle, because of the drought, we're in the middle of a famine. We're lacking food, we're lacking water, amen. Don't don't make us think that we can feast now. We scratching by and just, that's been our way of life. The way it's always, our mindset for person, the way that it's always been is the way it's always going to be. Nothing can change that. It's like we divorce ourselves from the God factor at all. Hmm? We've had plenty of people through the years tell us they thought it was going to rain. It looks like it might rain today. Never happened. So don't get our hopes up. Don't get our hopes up, Elijah. Not, no, not now. And so beyond what the servant saw, Elijah was very confident. This is important. In spite of what the servant saw, Elijah was confident in what he heard. Because sometimes, as Brother Mason always ends his services with, we walk by In spite of what he saw, he was confident in what he heard. Let me go a step further. And he was confident in what he heard. Because this isn't the first time he's heard that voice or communicated with that voice or interacted with that on the opposite side of that voice. This ain't the first time he's had dealings with God. He's confident in what he heard because he said, I heard the sound. I heard the sound of the abundance of rain. I'm not feeling any rain right now. I don't see anything that is typical that surrounds and precedes the coming of rain right now. But I know what I've heard. And sometimes in these lives, you live by going off what you hear. It's not because you feel it, for sure. And it's not because you see it, for sure. But you know what God spoke into your spirit. You know what God spoke into your life. I heard a sound of abundance of rain. The Hebrew word translated sound in English literally means a sound produced by vocal cords. Hence a voice. That whenever he heard a sound of the abundance of rain, he heard the voice. He heard a voice of abundance of rain. And that might seem a little peculiar until we let Scripture interpret Scripture a little bit. Jeremiah 51 and verse 16, the Bible says this. When he, and the he being referenced there is God. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens. 
Isn't the Bible is amazing. There is a multitude of waters in the heavens and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasure. He says when he, when God uttereth his voice, he said, it's like waters and rain from heaven. And Elijah saying, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. What's going on? God is speaking. God is speaking. And when Elijah sent word to Ahab, his servant, it was a word. Look, he said, prepare, right? You need to prepare. Do whatever you need to do. Eat, drink, get ready, because there's the sound of the abundance of rain coming. You need to prepare. He said, prepare your chariot, right? So what he tells him in verse 44, he says, prepare your chariot. Ahab, you better prepare for what God is getting ready to do. You better prepare for what God is getting ready to do because I hear the sound of it. You can't see it. You can't feel it, Ahab. But I hear that you better prepare what God... Can't, folks, wouldn't it be amazing if we would start preparing for something that we don't even see yet? That we would start preparing for something we don't even feel yet, but we know we've heard it. We, he said it's going to happen. He said, oh, that's back to the promises. I promise you that I don't see it. I don't feel it, God. That's all right. I've given you my word. And if we would, from that moment of just hearing the word, go in preparation mode some people don't want to prepare till they feel it they don't want to prepare till they see it right that was the major problem with all of those of Noah's generation not wanting to get on the band of helping build an ark there's no rain Noah but here are he and his sons and daughter-in-laws constructing day after day, getting wood, pitching something within and without, and there's not one drop of water. What are you doing? I heard God say, you're not feeling anything, you're not seeing anything, but we've heard him, and so we're preparing based upon his word. And I want to prepare and get ready just on the word of God. Just on the word of God. Prepare for the miracle before I see it happen, before I feel it happen, because God said it would happen. I want to prepare for my loved ones coming back to God before they ever come the first service back. Amen. Because God said they would. Amen. Ahab reacted. He got down from the mount. He got down from the mount. And the, 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 the tragedy with Ahab is basically this. Ahab was convinced, but he wasn't converted. He was convinced evidently something was going to happen, but he wasn't, he wasn't willing to give himself, amen, to that God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And so the last verse, verse 46 of 1 Kings 18 records that Elijah, we, we, we love this, right? The, the, the great marathon between Elijah and the horses and chariots. Elijah ran from Carmel, the Bible says, to the entrance, to the entrance of Jezreel, which, listen, folks, and Brother Malone, this really was quite a marathon. It was anywhere from 14 to 25 miles. He just about ran a marathon. If it was the upper level of that. Real close. Ran from the top of Carmel to the entrance of Jezreel. And the Bible even infers that he passed up Ahab. Ahab's got horses and chariots. But here's Elijah. And he passes up Passes up, it seems to infer Ahab in his chariot. And we're saying, how in the world could a man do such a thing? Well, number one, remember the scripture says, and the hand of the Lord was upon him. You better know it was if you're going to outrun a horse and chariot in a 25-mile stretch. You being a man with nibble knees and legs, <laughs> he ain't going to do it. But not only that, please note that just as Ahab prepared his chariot, that Elijah didn't go without preparing as well. The Bible says, and you can see it in verse 46, that Elijah, the scripture says, girded up his loins for the purpose of running. He has that robe on to gird up the loins. They'd oftentimes take the back side of the robe through the front side and tie it a little bit so it wouldn't hinder their, their movement of their legs side to side. He girded up his loins. Why are you doing that? Because I got to get running because something is coming. How do you know? I heard God. How you can be so confident about that? We talk more than occasionally. I seen myself be fed by ravens when the brook was drying up. Because God said he would. I seen, I seen a, a woman's meal and oil sustained because a woman made me a cake first. 
because God said he would. I seen a dead boy be brought to life again because God said he would. So what are you doing? I'm preparing for something else God said he would do. Pray again. Stand with me. Pray again. Pray again. If you've gotten frustrated in your prayer life because it seems like Brother McGee, I really don't know what the use is anyway because I've just got to that place where just it just seems like it's just useless. If that has been you, my encouragement to you this morning is this, is pray again. Pray when you don't feel it. Pray when you don't see it. Pray even when you're not getting the answer. Pray confidently knowing that God is hearing though. Pray again. If you slacked off in that area of your life, simple words of encouragement, pray again. If it's been a while since you showed up to church early to go back and pray before service, just come do it again. If it's been a while since you've engaged in an altar call to come to the front, oh, I don't need that. We all can end. We all do. Just pray again. And not just here, but whenever you're home and there's nobody encouraging you to do it, Nobody upholding your hand. Nobody checking off their box. Did you pray today? When no one else is around of your own volition and you kneel down for however long it is and you pray and then tomorrow you pray again and tomorrow you pray again, you're going to know the voice of God and God's going to know your voice and you'll be confident when God tells you something because you'll see it start to play out in your own life that when you prayed according to his will and in his name and something happened, it happened just like he said it would happen and that builds our faith and we go forth walking by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Can we pray in this house today? Father, I come to you this morning. God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your ever, Lord God, settled word. I pray, O oh God, today, help us, Lord, once again to reacquaint ourselves, God, with a discipline of prayer. God, with a discipline of prayer. God, we can pray. God, when our worlds are crashing down all around us and we can pray. God, when there is no threat of storm and when there is no threat of danger, we can pray. I pray, O oh Lord, help us, Jesus, to pray in your name and according to your will and your purpose. Help us, O oh Lord, to be sensitive to that voice of God that this prayer line is a two-way street of hearing from God and of speaking to God. And Lord, you want to hear our voice. And God, we want you to be acquainted with our voice. And Lord, we want to know your voice and a stranger that we would not follow. I pray, O oh God, today, help us, Lord, to be confident, Lord, in you and those prayers. Promises, God, that you have spoken into our individual lives promises you have spoken to us as a church let them not just be words on a page that recorded that God said he would do this but let us take those words to a closet of prayer and pray Lord what you said you would do pray that you would do it oh I pray oh God today strengthen Lord every heart and mind those that are going through dry times Lord in their prayer lives God of dealing Lord with emotions that nothing has taken place nothing is happening throwing up their hands what the use anyway. This is to no benefit and to no avail. I pray oh God reignite a fire within their soul and within their spirit tonight God. Help us Jesus on this side of glory. Be make preparations for what Lord you're going to do. What you said you would do. What we feel in our spirits. God that you're unctioning us toward. I pray oh God today help us to pray again. Pray again. The heavens might have been closed up but God if we'll be responsible for our part. God we're going to leave you responsible for your part. We're not hurama karobo kosia basandi abahaya. Hela basatai obo shanda robo koraba sandi abahaya. Hallelujah. Hela barabari di 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 asanda robo koraba shiabata. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I'm telling you, when you just keep that open door of communication with God, He'll come sometimes uh, uh, unexpected moments and visit you. He'll come at unexpected moments and visit you. 
Hey man, just this past week I was traveling home from the hospital, been at the hospital all day with mom, and I was just traveling home in the car, it was quiet, and I was just letting my mind just think and everything, and I was getting close to Sand Hill there, and I mean, it was just like out of the blue of anything. Brother Fred wasn't contemplating, wasn't thinking about it, just all of a sudden, boom, I began to speak in other tongues for a few miles. You know what? God just came down and started speaking to me, comforting me, strengthening me. Hey man. I just, why, how's that happen? When you keep the door open for it, he can walk in at any moment. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.